just a phony scene But the spiders cannot show me But I long so much to Is as true as air I own. It guides me along my way beneath that fickle lone. But this compass cannot guide me in this question that I own. Does she think of me? I would that it me take her away but this boat cannot compete for the sailor's promise for my lady fair despite her heart comes Thanks for being with us today. 
um, that was Rekha Hunt you were just listening to, and the name of the song there was? Um, I think I'm going to call this one Spyglass. Spyglass. It seems like a worthy title. <laughs> Since the theme of the song was spyglasses and such, um, this is the Dreaming Kyoto podcast. I'm Atticus and I'm Talis. Talis. And um, today with us is Rekha Hunt, who is uh, a former Kyotoite, yes. uh, sometimes still Kyotoite. Um, so you just came into town uh, yesterday. Yesterday. Actually. Yes, mm -hmm. and you've relocated now to. Thank yes. you. <laughs> it's good to have you back. I haven't seen you in quite a while. It's yeah. been a year and a half. A year and a half, I think. Yeah. I figured. Yeah. Oh, that was an amazing song. Thank that you. really, really Thank great. Yeah. I will start this podcast by uh, tell us a bit about the background story of this song I just played. Of the song? Yeah. Um, well, I recently moved to a town in central California oh. and Spyglass is one of the um, the exits on the highway, <laughs> <that I did. laughs> and yeah, this it's right on the coast. And like every time I go past it, I would think, mm -hmm. "My wow, Spyglass! That's a really romantic way to say telescope." Yeah. That's what I was thinking. It's like I love, that. <laughs> I love Spyglass. I love that the way it sounds, and and so I thought I have to write a song about it, and that's the background. Wow, <laughs> that's great. I noticed that the the the, the lyrics of it are kind of like it's a, more of a fictional story, right? It doesn't seem like it's maybe not necessarily a personal story for you. No, it's not. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, not me. No. Right. <laughs> so uh, you're saying you're, you're inspired by the name and then you create yes. such fictitious yes. story behind it, right? Yeah. Okay. I love, I love fictional songs. I love songs yeah. that are stories from somebody other than the person who's writing the song. Do you write a lot of songs like that? Or do you write a lot of personal songs as I, well? I don't know. I, th mm -hmm. I write, I think, mostly personal stuff. But mm -hmm. um, I don't want it to be about me. Mm -hmm. and I don't want any of the songs to be about me. But I have to write from my own, own experience. So I think even the ones that are you know, personal, um, I try to make them... I try to give them enough details, but not to kind of drown it with details so that mm -hmm. other people can't sympathize with it or kind of other people can't take it mm -hmm. for their own song, mm -hmm. I think. Mm. And then there's the some of the songs that I write about actual people who mm -hmm. existed. So writing songs is more like a storytelling and also expressing yourself and then you uh, you do perform on the stage mm -hmm. and also you take it as a way to express everything to your audiences and most likely to um, I mean, real audiences and do you also um, write songs to yourself like take it as a as a journal or something mm, I'm I kind I'm kind of I don't have a lot to say <laughs> to yourself. <laughs> no, yeah, to myself. But I, you do have a lot of things to say to your audiences. Yes, I think okay. I don't. I don't want to. I never think like, oh, I have this emotion and I want everyone uh -huh. to know about myself. Like, I'm a really private person. I don't want anyone to know about what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So I think. Hmm. It's weird. I have to. I'd have to go back and count how many personal songs I have and how many are <laughs> fictional. 
let's, let's go back yeah. to the songwriting. Uh, let's get back to it in just a little bit. Yeah. First, let's talk a little bit about what you do, who you are, where you're from, right. all those okay. kinds of things. Yeah. So um, I met you quite a long time ago, maybe when I, f when I first came yeah. to Japan. So, so eight years ago? Yeah, eight years, I believe. Um, and it was nothing to do with music. Nothing to do with nothing music, either. yes, yes, yes. But um, <clears throat> you are in a band called... Pirates Canoe. Pirates Canoe, that's right. They're my favorite band in Kyoto. Yeah. <laughs> um, Oops, sorry. And Pirates Canoe is you. You were telling us earlier that they are Americana. Is yes. how you like to label. Yeah. Can you that's tell us a little bit about the word we use? Okay. At the moment. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of the band and up until present day, what yeah. you guys have done and um, how you got together? We got together in two thousand nine. Mm -hmm. So it's already been. It's going to be seven years mm -hmm. this year. Um, I found the guys, the boys in the band. Mm -hmm. we, I call them the boys, although they're all older <laughs> than myself. Um, they were they were in another band called the Texas Shoeshine Boys, mm -hmm. and they kind of had an Americana feel, except that it was all Japanese original Japanese songs, mm -hmm. but they were using, you know, a dobro, banjo. Right. Um, Mandolin and just had a, I, it was a great band. Mm -hmm. They're not together anymore, but um, I found them through another friend of mine, mm -hmm. and I fell in love with them. And I was like, I want to sing with your band. Mm. I want to sing chorus in your band. And they're like, okay, let's see if, what you can do. Mm -hmm. um, so I sang for them, and they said, "Don't sing for us. We're going to start a new band with you in front." <laughs> <laughs> and that's how the band started. Yeah. And they um, brought Sara, mm -hmm. our mandolin player, who they had known for a while, and so she came on board. Actually, kind of, they had Sara and me meet first, mm -hmm. so that we could start something, and then they kind of came afterwards. Yeah. So it's it's really confusing start like everyone has their own version of who came first and mm -hmm. what you know who introduced who first and <laughs> but kind I, of, I was always under the impression that you and Sada were friends first and then the boys came later but it's actually the other way around it's actually the other okay. way around oh, interesting. Um, now who brought up about the concept of Americana first in the band um that's another kind of chaotic <laughs> organic um story I guess I that's the only kind of music I can sing mm -hmm. <laughs> is it in case to the other players? no I don't think so but um, we did have dobro mandolin and fiddle so it kind of leaned in that direction anyways mm -hmm. okay. and I think we never said okay let's be an Americana band we never said that we never had that conversation um, but the songs that I brought to the band were kind of had a country feel yeah. and they actually tried to add more pop mm -hmm. kind of elements and uh, pop pop is such a broad word but some more like elements that would make it easier yeah. for the audience to listen to yeah. I guess and yeah. Yeah, so we never really had that conversation, but I think th over the years we kind of found, oh, this is the Pirate's Canoe sound mm -hmm. yeah. with each song. And it, with with a lot of new songs, we'll try to do something different. We'll try to bring a different kind of 
rhythm to it or like if it's if a certain song is too similar the arrangement is too similar to another song we already have then we'll be like well I like that but let's not do that let's try something different so we try to you know bring different things and new things to it but there is a certain kind of pirate's canoe sound that we've kind of established okay so that was kind of organic the way that came it's a great I think you guys are really good at that about kind of uh, curating your sound yeah. as well because you always you always play the you know the old hits you know that you've been playing <laughs> since the very beginning but they're great songs and you keep those things going and that kind of just helps to define your sound you bring in something a little bit new yeah. but it always it always feathers in quite nicely with what you guys well, have you have been doing yeah. yeah let's get further about the creation part mm -hmm. so you've been go uh, back and forth uh, between US and Japan and also you bring our stories and our songs as well and then you uh, three of you um, each of you has very slightly different um, expression in terms of creation and then how how you um, first of all, how you how you meet up with each other to do? I mean, do you do you create songs separately, or you actually need to meet up personally? I mean, in face. Good well. question. Yeah. Um, there's actually six of us in the band, um, okay. and I moved out from Japan last year. So until last year, we always got together and um, worked on a song together. I it's the, all of our songs are either written by myself or by Sara. And so when we write a song, we'll, we'll record it at home and then send it around to everyone so they can get all the basic, the structure, the chords. And then we come together and, and work on the song in the same room at the same time. Okay. Now that I'm living in the States, we're going to have to work on a different way to do that. And actually, we're working on one new song now, which is... Um, which we're, we're gonna record next week, and this is the reason why I'm here. And this is like the first time that we've tried to f figure out a song long distance. Yeah, how are you? How are you going about doing that? Um, they're they get together mm -hmm. and practice and work on it, and then they send me um, what they worked on or what their ideas, and and then I'll you know say that's cool I like that and so it's basically you know sending data mm -hmm. to each other it's about technology right yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what we can do now yeah. yeah and how's that working does it does it feel good or does, mm. is there something missing from being in the room it's with the still and... scary because yeah. I can hear what they're doing right but there's all, always like oh I like that but we'll have to play it together to see if it's actually really good mm -hmm. it, you know yeah. so we still have to so we're, we're still not done. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we have been able to, like, or they have. They've been doing all the work. They've been able to um, practice and, and, like, kind of work on the arrangement to the, to the point where it'll be easier when we do finally get together. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think it's working. Mm. Something just popped up since we've been talking about technology in the previous episodes a lot. Um, so as a musician, uh, you need to uh, get together to, to create songs. And if you do it in, in distance, then um, you're saying that you feel more comfortable if you, if you all get together to yes. create the song. And how do you feel if um, 
later on this more advanced technology that can really bring um, very um, very real-time experiences you still feel that um, this person-to-person -person experience is, is um, kind of relatively easier to to generate those bugs is um, this the case if they do come out with something where we can actually practice together yeah. like Skype yeah. <laughs> for example in Japan in the US yeah. that would be really really awesome we would totally use that um, unless it's really expensive <laughs> and then we wouldn't use it um, but for example with Skype there's still too much of a time lag right. yeah. um, and they they do have services online and, and apps where you can play with other musicians mm -hmm. but it's it's still not real time mm -hmm. and that's why we have to send each other data mm -hmm. if they had that that would be great that would be great okay. and i and i would use it totally <laughs> what are some of the apps that you that you're talking about would allow musicians to play together um, i forgot the names okay. but there are several of okay. them you can just go online you know music mm -hmm. um, session or mm -hmm jamming mm -hmm. online, just okay. look those up. Okay, cool. So where, where do you get your um, resources, uh, music resources, or where are you know, Like inspiration? Yeah, inspiration. From everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Okay. How did you get into, um, into country music or Americana, bluegrass <laughs> to begin with? Cause Myself? You're, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, you were, you were pretty much, you were born and raised in... Arkansas. Oh, you're born and raised in Arkansas. I was born. I was born in Kyoto, mm -hmm. um, but raised in Arkansas until okay. I was ten. Oh, okay. But even then, this was in the eighties, mm -hmm. so folk music was not cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was telling people the other day, it was a terrible thing to love folk music when right. you were in the eight, growing up in the eighties. Right. I loved folk music. What did um, you listen to? I listened to like the Thistle and Shamrock Irish radio station because mm -hmm. my dad liked it and um, Don McLean because mm -hmm. my mom liked it mm -hmm. and I never really went out to look for music but I liked the sound of acoustic guitar yeah. and like the Irish alien pipes and I didn't tell anyone because I thought that was the uncool part in me that I wanted to abolish, but I couldn't. <laughs> I just loved the acoustic music more than the, the you know, the 80s pop music. Yeah, Or Bon Jovi or something. Right, Vanilli. Tell us about how, how did you pick up guitar? And My dad taught me. Okay. Yeah. It's all family influences, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you... Um, I'm, I'm actually interested in how you define this kind of core music or uncore music because it's all like personal perception, right? Yes. And when you were in the States, um, I mean, your childhood, what are people around you listen to? Um, do they all, did you find anyone who shared the same interest I with did you? not. I, <laughs> I didn't really... Just parents, right? Yeah, I, I, I've always been... I've never been a very confident person, <laughs> so yeah. I think I kind of judge myself through the eyes of what I yeah. thought, what society was expecting a young person to be. Mm -hmm. um, and that's probably why I thought I was uncool. 
and now they're there's a huge Americana roots music mm-hmm. movement in the States. And I'm like, I did not know about this. I wish I knew about this. Um, you actually made it into Rolling Stone, didn't you? We did, yes. Yeah, that's made amazing. It? Wow. Wow. You were, there was a small write-up from South, South by, by Southwest, Southwest. Yeah. and that was 2015, 14, 15. 15, 15. Yeah. okay. Cool. Last year. Yeah. How did that it's go? Can you tell us a little bit about your experience at South by Southwest? Um, well, that was crazy. Uh, mm. (laughs) Last year we did the tour, the five-week tour. It started with um, the Folk Alliance Conference in Kansas City, Missouri, and then ended at South South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. Mm. And for some reason, mm, that was... Like, by the time we got to South by Southwest, we were exhausted, and it didn't seem like, oh my god, we're making it to South by Southwest. It was like, oh my god, we just got to get through, you know, today. <laughs> and then we'll think about tomorrow. Um, and I had a cold, and I was like, I don't know, I hope I, hope I can sing. <laughs> um, but we got into Rolling Stone magazine online, of course, um, mm-hmm. And and then we were featured in Esquire also, wow. their online magazine. Okay. So the Rolling Stone um, um, called us like the top 21 country bands to see in South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. And in Esquire, we were like the 10 bands that they liked in South by Southwest. Wow. And I have no idea how they found us. Right. <laughs> and like, what did we do up to, like, what did we do in the one month before South by that caught their attention I don't know hmm. okay. because we didn't have a manager we didn't have we don't have we didn't we still don't have a booker yeah a promoter well, you guys and just rocked just, I guess <laughs> I don't know what happened and I, I guess they're just always looking for stuff mm-hmm. yeah. and I think we look good on paper a Japanese band yeah. that plays Americana music and yet mm-hmm. but it's actually you know, actually, Americana music and not. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that you guys are actually, you have a very unique take on what you do as well. And yeah, I think that, yeah, like, um, you know, you your songwriting is, is really high quality, top notch, and you've got a really great quality to your to your sound and your singing. And then like you're saying, the the, you. the boys, right? Mm-hmm. The your rhythm your rhythm band, especially yes, especially awesome. Yoshi. What's mm-hmm. his what's his name? The drummer. Yoshi. Yoshi. Okay. His real name? What's his, his what's his name? whole name? Yeah. Yoshioka Takashi. Okay. Yoshioka. Yeah. Takashi. Takashi, Takashi. right. Um, you know, he he's he's really this time? Yes. Okay. He's got a really uh, great sense of, of rhythm, right? So mm-hmm. he really like, you know, he's playing, you know, the Americana style, like, you yeah. know, country beat, but he also throws in a lot of, like, really, really cool little things here and there that, that mixes it up a little bit, but it doesn't, it doesn't sound like you're trying to, to blend different mm-hmm. sounds. It doesn't sound like you're trying to do fusion, right, even right. though it is, there's a little elements of fusion in there. So, that's my that take. Sense, I yeah. think, I think yeah. they, they picked up on you guys because y'all are awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Yoshi is actually, I just kind of want to, um, he knew nothing about American music or the country or folk before we started the band. Right. And so at first he 
he was like, give me some albums, give me CDs so I can listen to them. And so, you know, we'd give him Alison Krauss and he was like, this is awesome. And I was like, I can't believe you never knew about Alison Krauss before. But, um, and now he knows more about it than anyone else. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. in the past seven years, he, he's, he really researches yeah. and, and looks for inspiration. Um, and so he kind of built, he already had a really strong folk and punk mm -hmm. and rock, pop, you know, uh, drum and percussion mm -hmm. foundation, and he had just added the country stuff into it. And that's probably why you sense that fusion, mm -hmm. you know, in his style, mm -hmm. I guess. Cool. So the South by Southwest show, your, your cold was okay? You were able to sing? Barely. Yeah, and you just um, played one show? No, we had uh, several. Okay. Um, what are the differences between American audiences and Japanese audiences, how they reacted to um, the Japanese audience—they're very quiet and polite, okay. and they listen. Okay. Um, in the States, they—they're not really listening. <laughs> they're shouting and they're just having a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, except for in listening rooms, or what some people call listening rooms, or house concerts, um, then they're really actually listening. And those are those are nice. I think it's nice when they're shouting and they're not really listening, and there's a you know a great you know kind of atmosphere in the in the venue. And so I kind of like both. So as long as you have the way to interact with the audiences, yes, it's no matter what kind of yeah. approach you take. Yeah, that that yeah. that's that true. Yeah, and also I guess that's that's about the music. You you focus or you persist on on Mercano then uh, uh, people with the same ta taste, with the same interest, they just, they just came in to, to see the show. Mm -hmm. And did you find any, and do you have any stories to share uh, between you and the audiences? Or some of them even later on turned to your personal connections? Oh yes, yeah. yeah. There, there have been a lot of um, people who came first as fans yeah. and now we're friends. Um, especially in Japan. We haven't been able to build that kind of connection in the States so much. Mm -hmm. Except, you know, I can think of a few, a little bit. <laughs> but especially in Japan. Yeah. Is it also because of the, um, I mean, the, the social, uh, how, how Japanese people, because uh, kind of depressed by a lot of social regulations, mm -hmm. and they keep uh, deep feelings inside, and then when they find something they're really into, and then uh, it's kind of like mental shelter or those kind of thing um, in comparison with, with American audiences where they can just... Maybe. Yeah. I haven't thought of that. Okay. Let's <laughs> okay. get back a bit about that. <laughs> I just want to ask yeah. um, one more about okay. what you're doing now. So you've, you've moved on and you have a, you have a new uh, alternate yeah. personality, right? <laughs> <laughs> Edda, sorry, Elizabeth Edda mm -hmm. is your, your new stage name? Yes. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with um, Elizabeth Edda? Not much. Not it's, much? Okay. I, I think I um, changed my stage name to Elizabeth mm -hmm. Edda last year, or mm -hmm. the beginning of last year. Mm -hmm. And I did it mostly for the band and... I think it was an interesting kind of news thing that with the band had is like she's changing her name and yeah. it's, it's especially in Japan because Elizabeth is like the queen's name is yeah. what they think. Ah, okay. And 
a lot of people are just they were just too embarrassed to actually call me Elizabeth mm -hmm. because the, that's like the queen's name. <laughs> so so they could, you kind of want to break down such such notion towards I'm, Elizabeth. No, not really. Oh, I think I was um, I was drunk yeah. one night and I thought I'm gonna change my name. <laughs> and <laughs> still feel you in this name. Um, at first I didn't, but now it's, it's yeah. yeah. And yeah. Elizabeth is my middle name. Yes. Um, and I always liked it, but I never used it, and I've always wanted to use it, and so now I can. Okay. Okay, that would be great. Yeah. And the Edda parts. Edda is my great grandmother's name mm -hmm. and my aunt's name. And I kind of thought it was a. I liked the way Elizabeth Edda sounded. Just, mm -hmm. it yeah. Just has a nice ring to it, and I thought it'd be a good way to honor the women in my life. Hmm. Um, yeah. Very good. Yeah. When did you start writing songs? When did you write your first song? I probably wrote my first song when I was like six or something. Wow. Um, I wasn't very good, obviously. <laughs> Not Mozart. <laughs> and then, and I kept trying to write songs um, and I never liked any of my songs. None of my songs were good, ever, until 2009 when the band started. Hmm. It's the weirdest thing. I think they were my, like the band was my muse or something yeah. and um, things kind of clicked. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how that happened and suddenly I was able to I was okay with the songs that I wrote, but before that, I just hated every song that I wrote. So I didn't try to write too much, but maybe once a year or twice a year, I'd get the urge to write a song and I'd write something, but I would be working too hard, trying too hard, and I hated it. And then I'd be like, ah, I'm never going to write another song ever again. And I'd try it again <laughs> the next year. And then, what was now, the first song you wrote that you liked? Some kind of diddle on the piano because okay. I was taking piano lessons. Mm -hmm. But then later on, you you were more into guitar than yes. Piano. I started playing guitar in high school, okay. and now I'm um, more comfortable on the guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Then what happened to the piano? I don't know. It's just too hard. It's <laughs> it's, a, it's a difficult instrument. It's harder yeah. than guitar. It is. It is. Yeah, for it's, sure. Yeah. So did you? Um, is it because I mean the the turning point or transformative point um, be, be, uh, before and after you join the band um, in terms of uh, songwriting? Mm -hmm. Is it because you didn't get much more feedback from people when you were writing a song before joining the band, and later on you actually um, got inspired by by um, the team, uh, by the players in your band, and then they always right. always give you feedback about. It songs. could be um, also about the feedback. Um, mm. I never, I never want to sing a song that I write that I don't like. Okay. Um, so did you share with people um, every time? No, I, I don't think I ever did. Okay. So even now, I'll, I sometimes I'll write a song and I won't like it, and then I just I won't give it to the band because I know that I won't want to sing it. Mm -hmm. um, but now I can kind of keep working on it until I know that it's, that it's good enough for me, and then I'll have, you know, three four songs and I'll give it to the band 
and maybe they'll pick one or two. And so there's like a filtering process. <laughs> yeah. And then maybe they'll pick two. Let's say they pick two, and we work on both of them, and one of them just we just never works out. And then there's the one, and so there's a nice filtering process to all the songs that we write. So only the the ones that we all like and came to like a an arrangement that's that we're all satisfied with. Only those come out to. Mm to the um, stage. What does the initial process look like? Because I'm, I'm really, you know, I love songwriting and I think it's it's a beautiful art form and I, I'm i like you, I've never written a song that I like. <laughs> right. <laughs> so <clears throat> I just want to know, what's your process? How do you go through it before you take it to the band, right? Whenever you have a song, like, yeah. how does it start and, and what are the steps that you take to write? It's different with every song. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I'll have a theme. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll, I want to write a song about this, like this theme, and sometimes, so sometimes I'll start from that. Sometimes I'll have something on the guitar, I'll just be playing, and oh, I like that, that chord change, and, and then I'll have to think of a melody, and so I'll have the melody and the, the general idea, but I don't have the theme, so I'm like, what the hell am I going to sing about? I don't know. What is this song going to be about? I don't know. <laughs> Probably about romance, because everything is about romance. <laughs> um, and then sometimes Sara will write a song, and so she'll give me the, the song and the, the melody without the lyrics. So if I have a theme that I want to work on, and she gives, gives me the song and it fits, then I'll be like, score, I can use her song. <laughs> and then most of the cases that um, the lyrics and the song actually meet up together. Yeah. If I'm writing it, then usually they come together. They have to come together. I can't, I'm never able to write the lyrics, all of it first, and then add the melody later, or the melody first and then add the lyrics. I'm not, I haven't been able to do that except um, with Sara's songs, because it's already there. Yeah. Um, so when I'm writing, it's usually um, comes together. So yeah, I'll have a th maybe a theme, and then I'll work on the song, and then kind of work on the lyrics and the melody mm -hmm. together. Or I'll have something, a, the start of a song on the guitar, and then I'll, but I, I'll never finish it. I'll have the start of the song, and then I'll think about well, what, what, what's going on in my life right now that I can turn into a song, or let's forget about any kind of theme and just kind of start writing songs out of the blue and see if that turns into something or yeah. like and and then I'll and then I'll start to put 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 them together and work on it at the same time mm -hmm. so it has to come together I watched a great documentary about um, the making of Graceland the Paul Simon album right. Graceland and I just remember there was a scene in it where it was talking about it was talking about his writing process, mm -hmm. and he it, there was like showed he showed a picture or he showed um, like a yellow legal pad, and the way that he would write is he actually I can't remember exactly how it worked but it was basically a line in the center of the page, and then he was the lyrics you could see that he was filling them in and like he knew where the lyrics needed to go but they weren't even coming in any particular order. Right. right, he would like have the song and the melody structure and everything, and then like you know he'd have like a bit of a bit of the song here, like three or four lines, and then here just like one line here, and like <laughs> it was really interesting how just yeah. seeing how he right. how he went about that, right? And, like, that does the, happen sometimes. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes I'll have 
Yeah, sometimes I'll rearrange stuff in the mm -hmm. same song or I'll have the chorus first and then have to think of the stanzas later mm -hmm. or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, where where do you draw a lot of your influences from nowadays whenever you're writing songs like other songwriters or, or poetry or Not musicians? Mm, I don't know. These days it hasn't been so much other songwriters, although mm -hmm. I have had songs like that before. I don't know. I think just interacting with people and mm -hmm. and thoughts I'll have about life or about cooking, you know, <laughs> just, and hmm. yeah, and books, reading books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned a lot of your own personal interest, including um, cook, cooking, yes, reading books, and so on too. Mm -hmm. And uh, since we we've been focused a lot on creativity, and you mentioned that. Um, when you are creating a song and there's no so-called structure or everything that, that constrain your creativity. Mm -hmm. And um, do you think all the forms of art, yeah, we, can, we can say if you, if you really devote yourself into all the interests, then it's kind of art. And then which form of it? Um, is, it is it when you're writing songs or is it when you're sewing that uh, most likely turn you into the flow status? that you totally get also into that studios. Wow. I don't know. Yeah. Did you did you feel the same thing when you are writing songs? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. Um sometimes a song will just have to come out and <laughs> and then I can go into the flow state. Um, yeah. but sometimes I'll be like, oh, I gotta finish this song, I wanna send it to the band and I'll try to write it and it just doesn't work. Um, and the same thing can happen with cooking and sewing and yeah. drawing. Yeah. Um, so the, yeah, I um, like all of them. <laughs> <laughs> it is always uh, cases uh, when you are, say, chasing the deadline. Mm -hmm. uh, if you need to come up with the sound uh, to meet the to to meet the deadline, and I read a I read a report from from uh, the New York Times saying that the procrastination mm -hmm. actually can uh, stimulate creativity. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you you date a lot of procrastination or you always I'm always procrastinating. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and sometimes I'll if I have a particularly um tight deadline with my day job, yeah. That's often the time that a song is has to come yeah. out. <laughs> Slowly. And I've even been traveling somewhere and um with my guitar case and I'd have to pull my guitar out on the platform yeah. um, waiting for the train because I just had to, it was, just, it was like I wouldn't wait. I've had yeah. that happen and... Where does yeah, that come from? The where song? Come from? Yeah, like whenever, God, I don't know. like that thing, right, where you're, where you're in the, you're, you know, you're in the train and all of a sudden it's just there and it's got to come mm -hmm. out. Where does it's, it come from? What is it? It comes from somewhere else. It, yeah. like, it's not me. <laughs> I, I don't think it's, and it probably gets messed up in the process of me writing it, um, <laughs> but that's probably something that I can offer too, um, but it, it doesn't seem like, I think most, from what I 
have heard and read, I think most artists know that it's not really you creating, it's like you're kind of mm -hmm. um, writing something down that co that's coming to you yeah. and you're a channel. I mean, there are different, different ways to say that. Yeah. But it, yeah, and... You care to venture where it's coming from? Did you want me to say God? If whatever you want, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I do believe I'm, in I'm just, God. I'm really curious yeah, about I don't, this. Yeah. I, don't, I it's, think, cause it's like, like you'd say the universe, yeah. or... Yeah. And I do believe in God, and okay. um, that there's something bigger than us. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know. I think it's, I think more like it's the universe. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. I would say, because mm -hmm. I don't think God is gonna be like, okay, here you are. Here's a song for you. Come on. You gotta write a song yeah. about a spyglass now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he has bigger things to work on. <laughs> but just that that idea that you know your when your creation is something that comes through you that you're just a you're a conduit or like a vessel you know, through mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. this stuff passes through you. Yes. It's, it's very common. It's very like, yes. it's almost universal, I think, in, in, in creative people and people who are, who, who create while they're in this state of flow. Yeah. This, this, even, even, uh, you know, extreme sports, yes. you know, big, big mountain snowboarders and things like that. They say the same thing, right? Like mm -hmm. whenever they're on the mountain, they're not, it's not them that's doing it, right? It's mm -hmm. almost something like something's acting through them in a way. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just wanted to get your, your perspective on it. So you're a spiritual person. How do you I practice am. that? Um, I don't know, yoga. Yoga, okay. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. Um, and or rather, not, how do you, instead of maybe practice, how do you incorporate that into your life, or how does that affect your life? Um, it, it makes... I'm not in one particular religion, mm -hmm. but I do believe um, that all of the religions have truth in them, mm -hmm. and so sometimes I'll read like something from a, a Christian writer, mm -hmm. and I can be really inspired by that. Um, Buddhism is awesome <laughs> in its different varieties. I don't know all of them, of course. I, I don't know how I incorporate. I think I have, I kind of take bits and pieces from, from different yeah. places and, yeah. and um, I'm, yeah, I don't know. What am I trying to say here? <laughs> I wasn't expecting this podcast to go in this direction, <laughs> but I, I try to like see different everything in my life that comes my way that kind of upsets me or surprises me, and um, but that's probably it. It's there for a reason, and it's it's trying to tell me something. And it could be something external. It could be something within myself, and. It's usually not telling me something that I already know. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really, it's always surprising. And there's, and a lot of times I'll be like, wow, I have this really, you know, new insight. I am so wise now. 
and the next day something happens. I'm like, okay, that was not it. <laughs> um, still have a lot more to learn. And that's and I'm kind of enjoying the process, that kind of journey right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You also got affected by um, the environment because um, when you were in Kyoto, yes. there were a lot of ritual or custom going around you about um, all the religious stuff. Um, and then uh, when you're back in the States, probably you get to know more about Christian Christianity. She's, she lives in California. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Not, yeah. not really um, the Bible Belt. Definitely there. more yeah. Christians than mm-hmm. in Kyoto. Yeah. Okay. Um, but that doesn't seem to matter too much. Mm-hmm. I don't I'm, think. <clears throat> Did you feel some spiritual um, inspiration when you were in Kyoto? Because of the heavy yes. atmosphere. Yeah. Um, mm, I think. I think not, it's not because it's such a religious city. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's because of all the temples and the the um, religion, the Buddhist sects, and and all that. I think it's just from the people that I yeah. meet and and the the things that people will just say without thinking. Mm-hmm. Even if you know, there are a lot of people in Japan who aren't very religious or spiritual. But they'll say things that in the States only a spiritual person would say. Yeah. It's just kind of part of the, cus- the culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the so emotional think, or spiritual part that you can extract right, from I personal think, daily life. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. What was the question you were bringing up? I'm not a believer in God, I'm an atheist. But I also, I, I, spirituality is a very important part of my life. Mm-hmm. So just, I think a lot about this, so that's why I wanted to, to mm-hmm. ask you about it. Because you seem like you're also a pretty spiritual person. And uh, for me, it's, I think that what people experience, it's like when people have a religious or, exper- uh, or spiritual experience of mm-hmm. some sort or another, I think that's something that is, it's ingrained in all of us. It's like hardwired in all of us. We all have the capacity to have that experience. Right. Um, whether or not you, you like say that's God or whether you say that's, you know, something else, mm-hmm. um, it's there in all of us. And I think that it's really um, a valuable thing. I think that, you know, whether you're, whether you're, you know, a Christian or Buddhist or atheist or whatever, I think that being able to tap into that part of our being mm-hmm. right? that part of our humanity is really valuable for being a creative person for being yeah. you know being a person who can really get the most out of this life right. that we're in yeah so that's what I, I wanted agree. to bring you yeah, about it. yeah. yeah. I, would, I didn't want to like give you the, the second degree like <laughs> convert now <laughs> um, um, another thing that's really important to me is um, that I like to talk to uh, people about is uh, transformative experiences what I call transformative experiences mm-hmm. and these are things that you know moments in your life or things that happen in your life that that completely change everything you know from one day to the next like your life is just different um, like maybe the first like big transformative experience that I had in my life is I was like 17 and like went to the mountains like went to the Appalachian Trail for six weeks and just spent from being like you know in you know urban Texas where it's just flat and hot and there's just nothing but cars and concrete and grass (laughs) to like being in the the Appalachian Mountains 
and I'd never had that experience before. And like that was when I came out of that, I was like completely different. I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had several since then. Uh, have you had any kind of transformative? Experience? It sounds like you're kind of going through one now, like being back in the states. Maybe yeah. To a certain extent, yeah. Have you had any in the past that like maybe helped you to be where you are now? Um, the good and the bad. Doesn't matter. Whatever you feel like sharing. Well, I remember, um, I guess I must have been 21 or 22, Mm -hmm. I um, was a member of this group called GLA. Mm -hmm. I still am a member, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, What does GLA stand for? God's Light Association. Okay. (laughs) And, well... At this point, I, there was um, a certain vid, kind of video, it was like 15 minute long video that I was watching a lot, repeatedly, and I kind of always had this idea that to be religious or to be a good person, mm-hmm. you had to sacrifice yourself, mm-hmm. and you had to sacrifice your happiness, or you're mm-hmm. supposed to be a good person, and it's, I don't know, this sounds very Christian, <laughs> but to me. <laughs> Not to say that all Christians are like that, but um, so I had this idea that you're supposed to, like to be a good person. I can't be happy, mm-hmm. and then at the, so this time when I was like 21 or 22, and I I think it was this video that I kept watching, and it was only 15 minutes long, um, and I kept watching the same one over and over again, and then finally it was probably like the seventh time, it hit me that oh to be a, to you know, to live the life that you want and to, to be a good person is the same as being happy. Mm-hmm. And for about a week or so, like, I was in bliss. Wait, say that again. That was awesome. Say that one more time. What? What you just said. For a week, I was in bliss. No, 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 before that. Oh, what did With I your say? realization. Um, to, to live the life that you want and to be a good person... Mm-hmm and is the same as happiness. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was an awesome, transformative thing. <laughs> and how did that affect your life after, after yeah. you had that realization? I kind of wore off and... <laughs> I did! Serious, this is, the, this is the terrible thing about being human. It, it wore off and then I turned into the miserable person I was. <laughs> um, but the, the memory is still there and I yeah. think it was just an important moment that I still remember and it did help to mm-hmm. move me in that direction mm-hmm. and so I already I already I know that it is the one one and the same like and I'll go and I'll go back into like the old me thinking oh, I'm, I'm never gonna be happy you know I never get what I want I'm doomed to be miserable for the rest of my life and beyond probably and then it's like, but then I know that I, I had, I know this because of that time. That um, I will be happy, and it, that's it's, yeah. So it's, I think that <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I think the knowledge of that, the 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 knowledge from that um, experience helps me get through all the tough times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very nice. Can you still find that video on YouTube? Nope. 
Yeah. No. <laughs> I think it works equally to mm-hmm. people. Because mm-hmm. such transformative point, I think it's really depends on individuals how how they how they interpret everything to themselves, mm-hmm. and then when the point yes. is just because you. They accumulate a lot. No matter it's sorrows or happiness, you accumulate them, and then you digest all the feelings, and then you came to a point to really、um, expose yourself in all the feelings that you have to feel in the life, and then how you make the balances here. And then later on, so you're saying that、um, after that point, that、uh, transformative、mm-hmm. uh, turning point, then you kind of carry on.、Um, The notion that、uh, do what you want equals to、uh, have a happy life with you until today, right? Right. Yeah, and then you were saying that、um, playing music is not actually your so-called career, right?、Um, and you are doing translation work,、mm-hmm. and so which means that work will take a huge portion of your life,、uh, daily life. Yeah. So you have less time playing music. And how how did you make the balance?、Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is something I'm working on now. <laughs> yeah,、um, but this might not actually be answering your question, or but it.、Um, I never really wanted to be a musician, <laughs> and playing music is not my dream.、Mm-hmm. And it's not really like oh I I want to be a musician. I love playing music. I love music, but.、Um, I think what I what I the reason why I do it is because of the connection that I can have with other people through music, and it's not really the music itself. If it was, I wouldn't be playing on stage because that's yeah, it's fright. It's really scary <laughs> going on stage and exposing yourself.、Um, so that's not really what I what I like about it. I can enjoy music playing by myself at home. Or listening to CDs at home, or going to other people's shows, I would be completely satisfied. But for some reason,、um, it seems like I have something to offer to other people, and that's really the only reason why I'm doing this. It's not because I wanted to be a musician. It's not because I want to be a professional musician or any of that. And It kind of sounds terrible, but、mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, like, when I say like what I want to do, what you want to do,、um, for me, it's 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 kind of it's not so clear cut. I I never thought, oh, I want to be a musician.、Mm-hmm. I don't really know what I want to do, except that I what I what I what I have with other. People, the connection that I get with other people through music is really important, and I can't let that go. And it's probably because I'm really shy and private. And without that, I would, I would have like two friends. <laughs> and, and,、um, but music and all the terrifying things that come with it kind of has given me a lot more than I would have had otherwise. That's kind of what I mean by what I want, what you want from life, and being a good person. I mean, being a good person—that's probably not the best way to say that. It's not like, but being your best you,、mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and happiness is, yeah. that's, I think that's what I'm talking about. That's great. Yeah. Yes, that's it's inspiring, actually. Yeah, it yeah. is. <laughs> Thank you. So that's why I ask you um, to enjoy that mm-hmm. uh, when when you are sewing, and you said yes, yeah. and I just figure out that people view something in in kind of one sided way, where when you are talking about um, it's because you're 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 feeling offering something to audiences that that keeps you playing music, mm-hmm. and um, I I mean a lot of people will. Um, think about this. This kind of feeling is kind of compelling um, you to to keep doing so, and maybe that's not exactly what you really want to do. But then, because um, I was listening to a podcast about entrepreneurship, and then most of people see entrepreneurship more like profit making or more right. like statistic, or or you have everything um, that's re- realistic. That's how um, the conventional wisdom towards entrepreneurship. But right. then later on, um, the speakers, they, they, I mean, you can extract a lot of common sense here about great entrepreneurs. They need to go through thick and thin. They need to mm. take care of others. Even that's the most terrible time or those things that they fear the most, but they, they have to take the responsibility. Uh, react to everything and then um, the whole process um, there's no absolute say um, positive side or negative side mm-hmm. but those things all exist in the process mm-hmm. I think the same thing applied to uh, when you're try- trying to figure out what you're really into and it's not saying that it's it's a pure good thing Right. Instead of that, it's just something that you probably have some interest in. You don't need to figure out at that at that time. But mm-hmm. then the whole process, you you try to be a better self, be more integrated with people, with audiences, or or, or set up so, such social relations. And also, um, there was a research um, conducted by Harvard University about happiness, and the the ultimate result is your the quality of your social relations is the only factor. Uh, the only factor, the only factor wow. um, that that um, uh, can be this, uh, the only factor that can call decisive <laughs> about a person about um, the happiness mm-hmm. to a person, and mm-hmm. setting up such social relations is not inherently typically better in each uh, every single individuals. Right. right. So when you are trying to either playing music or doing something that you like, mm-hmm. you actually need to go through the whole process and try to figure out what, right. what does those things mean to you. That's, I, that's how I feel. I kind of would, would like to add that um, yeah. my band members, they've mm-hmm. been a really important part yeah, exactly. in my life for the past seven years and um, I've gone through phases where I hated them <laughs> and I'm sure they hated me too for things I've done and, and said, but um, they're like family now to me, and that is um, the the quality. You said the quality of re- social relationships. Yes. That was like oh, the band. Yeah. They they are you know a big reason why I'm I'm alive today. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, just before we uh, we wrap up, I want to ask you just a few kind of quick questions. Okay. Um, so before I asked you, you didn't really say anything. <laughs> but uh, who are some of your, your maybe your favorite musicians or the people that have influenced you the most, oh, musician-wise or top, top five? <laughs> top five. Favorite there artists. we go. 
The Beatles. The Beatles. Tom Waits. Yeah. <laughs> Patty Griffin. Mm-hmm. Kate Rusby. Yeah. And I can never decide who to who to put in the fifth <laughs> one. Maybe Neil Young. But I was thinking yesterday, well, maybe it should be Gillian Welch. Ah, okay, so it's a tie. Fifth place mm, is a but tie. But then there's always, you know, all these other people. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, who was number four again? Kate? Kate Rusby. Rusby. Okay, awesome. And you're also a big reader as well. Yes. Um, I stole this question from, mm -hmm. uh, from um, Tim Ferriss. Which Ovid book? Ovid again. Hmm? Yeah, keep going. Which book, which book have you gifted? Uh, the most. Which book have you given oh. to people more than any other book? Mm. I don't know. I usually don't give books. Okay. Um, but but it I, should okay, be an well, easy question to answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did give um, my landlady a book called... Um, give me a second here. <laughs> Finding Your Way in the Wild... New World, okay. By Martha Beck. Martha Beck. Sounds like uh, the the children book you told me. The oh, the places you will go. Yeah. 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 I've been. I just fell in love with this Dr. Seuss book called All the Places mm. You Will Go. I bought it for my daughter for Christmas, and I'd never oh, read it before. And like right. the first time we sat down and read it, I was like, "This is my new favorite book." <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely my favorite kids book. Oh, that's mm. cool. Anyway, Martha Beck book. What's that about? Um, I. I don't think I can tell you what it's about. It's about okay. She kind she kind of analyzes these four stages that all a lot of shamans mm -hmm. and wise people mm -hmm. um, go through. Mm -hmm. But it's it's way more than that. So um, thank you very much for coming. It was thank great you talking for having with me. you. Yeah, it was a really really interesting conversation. Yes. Can great, you great music. expected turns? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Really, really Can you send us out with another song? Okay. <laughs> yeah. What's the name of the song? Uh, the baking song. The baking song. Yes. I told you I wrote about cooking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Two cups of organic all-purpose flour One cup of sugar Looks like the baking
for listening to the Dreaming Kyoto podcast. I'm your host, Atticus Sims. Production of this episode by myself and Talis Liu. Theme song by Keith Hills.